The idea that there's going to be a general AI overlord that subjugates us or kills us all, I think is not something to worry about. I think that is overhyped. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm, first of all, we don't know, we're nowhere close to knowing how to build a general AI, something that could set its own objectives. We have no idea. We, we don't even, it's not even hardly, it's, it's not even a valid research area. We're so, we're so far back on that one. Um, so that's a, I think that's a very long-term prospect that it could even happen. But second of all, I think it's unlikely that such a thing's first instincts would be to exterminate us. Um, it, it seems, that would seem surprising to me. Maybe unemploy us. Much more likely it will help us, you know, um, uh, because we know we're perfectly capable of hurting ourselves. Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. My name is Jack Lewis Evans. And my name is Sean Morley. Today's episode is about the deep, dark caverns of the Digimines. And the translucent bodies that turn the crank of the internet. Capitalism sells us the illusion of automation, but inside this pretend mechanical chess player is in fact an army of underpaid, overworked humans. And if you want to be one of the many humans that invisibly power our vast machine, you can subscribe to our Patreon on patreon.com slash mandatory redistribution party. Here you will find all kinds of extra content and bonus scrapings from our vast archive of cutting room floor, unbroadcastable nonsense. We also hugely appreciate those of you who share our episodes on social media and smash as good reviews on your chosen podcast platform, helping others find mandos and swelling the ranks of our future robot army. And if you'd like to be less invisible, you can come see us in the realm of flesh as Mandos goes live with our new show, Hostile Takeover. This spring, we're going to be doing a very little tour of Manchester, Sheffield and London over April and May. Check the episode descriptions for more details and ticket links. This is the only way you can prove to yourself that neither Sean nor I are cyber. You're not cyber. I'm not cyber. Did you think I was cyber? Um, well, look, I got a level with you. I, I thought you were an app. Which app? What app? Just Eat. Just Eat? Why would you host a podcast with Just Eat? What do you think you're talking to right now? J um, just Eat. J um, Jack Evans, Just Eat. It's, it's the same guy, what, same well, initials. What Can are you talking in about? Order? I'm actually... I'm actually pretty hungry. Sure, we've it. known each other for years. Yeah, and, and I... And I'm hungry now. It's, can I get um? I'm a human. Like I'm a. I'm a person. Like a, can I get a big veggie samosa? Like big hot, big big hot veggie samosa. Do you think was editing the? What's what's going on? From a deli. I don't mind where. Just one of the delis. Big triangle. What? Can I just get a veggie samosa, please? <sighs> All right. Fine. One sec. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> 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 
happy now. That was really scary. Jack, that was really scary. Thank you, though. This is, this is cold. Ugh. This is horrible. Really ungrateful. This, this is frozen. What board game are you best at? <laughs> I put in a good time in chess yeah. over the lockdown years, mm-hmm. but I didn't get good, and I wouldn't just rely it. on it. Well, it's mm. just hard, you chess know. Chess is hard, yeah, notoriously. A couple of years is, is nothing in chess. A couple of years and you come out still a dunce. The only <laughs> yeah. time I've ever had success in a board game is just luck games. Wow. I'd backgammon for my life. Do you know, I've never played backgammon. And it, I don't right. know what it is. Like the word sounds like an ailment an elderly person would suffer. It's very pretty. You've got these little triangles. You've yeah. got like checkerboard discs um, and you just sort of move them around. The, you move them around the triangles clockwise based wow. on dice rolls. That's a very succinct explanation of backgammon. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't qualify you to play it because you don't know. <laughs> you don't really know enough. Yeah, you've got to learn by doing that. Right. But you know what it looks like. You know what it mm. feels like. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's more important than any rules. My next question is, if you're confident in a game, are you so confident that you could not only defeat people, but do so f- bundled inside a little box, pretending to be a robot? So am I good enough at a game that I could do it while cramped and, and hot? And <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking Mechanical Turk. Oh, I get what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm aware of the 18th yeah, you know century what... Habsburg trinket. <laughs> Habsburg trinket. I love the trinket era of yeah. like European aristocracy. Yeah, yeah. You just want a court filled with junk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you know increases your renown. Are you familiar with the um, the stuffed lion that was owned by the King of Sweden? No, tell me more. So obviously, you know, people want to have these interesting things, and, and they love exotica. You know, yeah, bringing yeah, yeah. a giraffe to your court was was, was big news until. You know, you have to look after it and then you yeah. just let it stalk. Yeah. <laughs> just let it stalk the suburbs after that. Nipping people through their window. But but Exotica gets harder to get your hands on the further into Scandinavia you go. Yeah. Because getting something from, like, Africa, it's just further away. Yeah. And so the, the King of Sweden got his hands on a uh, lion to be taxidermied. But his taxidermist, Fuck. understandably... Yeah. Had never seen a lion and didn't really know. Didn't know what it was. Well, he was working on, and he was working on, you know, those kind oh. of really fucked medieval style drawings of this is what a lion is. So he just oh, put stuffing in this body until it looks like that. And listeners, I implore you, look up the stuffed lion. Can I the have King the experience of, of the listeners? Let's all do this, right? So, yeah, what I am I looking so. for, Sean? I think the stuffed lion of the King of Sweden should get you Stuffed lion of the King of Sweden. Didn't autocomplete. Interested. Wow! (laughs) The Wikipedia entry! The lion is badly stuffed and has a comically unrealistic face. Footnote. (laughs) Which is footnoted to BuzzFeed. Oh my God, the tongue. The eyes. Why is the tongue like what? that? What? And also, there's so many details to focus on. One is that they've given it human teeth. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with the teeth? It looks like it's been badly yassified. It has been yassified. <laughs> it has been yassified, yeah. Oh, that is disturbing. 
I love it. It's more terrifying than a real lion because of its uncanniness. Like if you were being hunted by that, three times more terrifying. Don't know. Yeah, imagine lion. a lion coming at you, but on its head is a 3D uh -huh. flesh interpretation of a lion emoji. <laughs> <laughs> That's scarier than reality. <laughs> it looks like it sort of talks like Tigger or something. It um, looks like it's a cartoon. Yeah. And a cartoon in reality would scare yeah, you more than yeah, anything plausible. Terrifying. I don't know why SpongeBob in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, Imagine a real sponge with eyes that size yeah. proportionate. Yeah. No way. Absolutely horrifying. I'd be gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would be completely gone. And so the Mechanical Turk, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I tell you what, obviously the Mechanical Turk has like a racist Orientalist like automaton on the top of it to trick people yeah. that it, they're playing a machine at chess. And it didn't it go against like Napoleon? I believe it I went to Paris, so. which was like chess city. Wow, chess city. Chess city. You can only walk around town depending on your piece. Pawns yeah. takes fucking ages to get anywhere. Which is most people. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. But if they get to the very end, yeah. they get to become a queen Upgrade. and go right back home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the queen now. Great. Welcome home. <laughs> if only that's how French feudalism works. Basically, it's it's interesting because it's it's uh, we're going to be talking about the hidden labour of big tech. Amazon have a, a part of their company called Amazon Mechanical Turk. Yeah. In the early days described by Jeff as artificial artificial intelligence you just pay workers it's like crowd work so you just pay loads and loads of workers pennies a go to do the same kind of stuff that a lot of us do for free actually you know when you do like a are you a robot test on a checkout mm. of a website and you have to click the things that aren't a boat because elon musk is building an aquatic car that needs to not crash into boats Every time you try to science your account, <laughs> the, the internet goes, is this a bike? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bike. Great. Now you can access your bank account. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, this, that's the, like, free version of it. But the, there's people doing that for, like, absolutely horrendous pay, basically, in the global south. Uh, and one of the key, I guess, kind of marketplaces for that kind of work where, you know, big company will go, we need this AI training. We need thousands of people to look at images or listen to bits of music or whatever. Uh, and then so that they don't have to give them a pension or they don't have to pay tax or they don't have to recognise them as em actual employees or, or mm. to prevent them from unionising in a meaningful way, they just piece all the work out to people all around the world. Some people in Colombia, some people in India, whatever, and just get them to do it. Uh, you know, people talk about AI and tech being a threat to jobs. It's, in many ways, creating new even shitter jobs that are sort of a shiny new version of Victorian England. Yeah, it's like, because the internet is presented to you like this machine is just running and you're interacting with it and it's spitting yeah. stuff back yeah, at yeah. you. But the internet, you know, the, the dreams of big tech of entirely automating everything are always, you know, the imagination is always out of step with reality because in reality, yeah. you know, the algorithms can't tell the difference between a leg and a penis, you know, so it doesn't yes, know what to moderate. Exactly. And it can't, it's, Google Translate is still, isn't there for languages. And you don't know what needs moderating in terms of slang because it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So computers can't really handle that because the nuance of language uh, is, is still not algorithmically understood. Uh, and so 
it's like the internet, really. It's like the automation you see at the supermarket with the self-service machine. Well, the machines are there, but there still needs to be staff members on hand. They're constantly saying, sorry, it's acting up. I don't know why it's doing this. Let me... Yeah. <laughs> Except with the Mechanical Turk, just like in the, the, the 18th century chess machine, which had a person hid inside it. Yeah. It's like the, the, the self-service assistant's just hidden in the machine and you're supposed to believe... This is just a robot. But it's even worse because the, the robot part of it, the, the, the person in the machine is monitoring, also is probably the cumulative result of hundreds of thousands of hours of extremely low-paid work by thousands of people all across the globe living in abject mm. poverty. I mean, even though you mentioned like Facebook and Twitter, so what we're talking about here is, say, like moderation. You know, there's an AI element of that. But that AI was trained on human labour. And then that is supplemented by actual humans sifting. And think how horrible that is, because you're only looking at fucked stuff. Google used this to, you know, to tweak results to do for appropriateness, Twitter, Facebook, and it's just really, really low paid workers in, you know, countries that are already suffering from the legacy of like imperialism are spending hours a day for no money with like no rights looking at horrific shit. They're looking at child abuse or they're looking at horrific imagery to create this illusion and it's, and it's an illusion on a number of levels it's an illusion for the consumer so it's an illusion for us when we're on any of these things to think like oh you know twitter's just this this piece of software that magically you know someone wrote this code and it, and then the the labor that goes into it is the uh writing of the tweets you know that's the common thing isn't it it's like people go like oh well actually if you're not paying for a service it's because you are the product like uh, and that's true to a degree you know like we put the work into social media to create the content so that advertisers can use get people on there and then get eyes they can work out who the they can get to specific audiences for their goods and then direct advertising on them and it, they can get more and more directed advertising because of the type of social media content they like that we create that's true to a good degree but then there's all the people moderating it there's all the people you know like trending on twitter mm. that's generated by low-paid workers and it's incredible how much people earn i was really surprised at how little it is the, mm. the average wage on this per hour is about two dollars <sighs> only about four percent of people who work for mechanical turk specifically yeah earn around eight dollars an hour so like a tiny sliver of people earn something like approaching a wage, but most people are on $2. And it's not, to clarify, it's not an hourly wage. It's piecework. So you're paid on what you can do. So you might be able to get it up to $8 an hour, but not for like a full day. And you have no rights as an employee. You know, you're just a free, you're a quote unquote freelancer. So I did some work like this a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't technically like invisible work. It was, yeah. it was transcription, audio transcription, but the company wasn't pretending it was algorithmic. Mm. They were saying this goes off to people and they will transcribe it. But it works in the same way where you're not given a wage, you bid on work and have to complete it as fast as possible. Yeah. And it's down to your speed to ensure that your work gets a minimum wage. Yeah. It's piecework. So it's Victorian say, piecework. Instead yeah, of paying so you an hourly wage, say, it's how many shoes did you make today? Right. Mm. But they can work out this simplified version of like, well, if you just do this much, and I, if your typing speed is this, which it would need to be to do the job, and you pick up this and this, you'd have a minimum wage. It doesn't account for like dealing with the system. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't account for the bit after you've transcribed it where you have to upload it and provide mm -hmm. the notes with that. But also it doesn't account for like in the UK, 
one of the biggest organizations that needs transcription work done, they do loads in-house but outsource a lot, mm -hmm. is the NHS. Mm -hmm. And so you go, okay, this is this much audio, 10 minutes, I know my typing speed, I know what it should be, mm. bang, straight away, it's a doctor saying the name of a medicine that you can't spell. Wow. <laughs> You're gonna have so many words that you don't know how to spell, it goes by incredibly sluggishly, and then you've earned you know, three pound an hour, four pound mm. an hour, you know, and then you can't bid on too much at once. Or one thing where I just lost everything was I did some, I picked up a, it was education, it was a, it was a discussion in a private school in America for gender non-conforming children. Okay. But our style guide, which is strict, and as a worker, I obviously can't deviate from at all, no. is if they do not state the name of a speaker, I'm supposed to write female speaker one or male speaker one, male speaker two, etc. Right. This is a school for non-gender conforming children in America. I'm not going to just imagine what their gender is and write it down on this form and then send that to the clients because that I'm going to get in trouble for that, for that being wrong. Jesus. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I waste most of an hour talking to someone in the business and I make no money on that. While they were getting paid and they can make themselves appear as like a lean, super effective tech right. company. But they're relying yeah, on And I had to like... stop doing that. No, yeah, because it's bad. When every second is directly correlated to how much you're being paid for, it sends your nerves to shreds. Mm. There's a weird mix of, of the people who do this in you know places like America and the UK as well as the Global South. They're yeah. only available in Mechanical Turks, only available in like 49 countries. There are places outside of that, like they won't let people in like Afghanistan, for instance, access it. So they access it through proxies mm. and then they end up paying in order to get yeah, for proxy VPN. services yeah, that yeah, disguise yeah. where they're doing it from. Mm. And then there's just loads of people actually in America, in the global north, that are doing it because they are completely income insecure as well. Yeah, Everything's gone online, right? The internet has taken away. And then you have to be like an invisible ghost inside the, the internet. The internet taketh and giveth, Sean. <laughs> mm. It taketh all and it giveth two dollars an hour. Crumb. A wonderful crumb. While dressed in it as freedom and choice for you for like you know it's like a zero hours contract that that framed mm. as like well we're going to make you more precarious but we're going to pretend it's giving you it's empowering you to choose what you want to do and work your own yeah. hours you get to be an uber driver but please pretend there's no one in the car <laughs> do not talk do not piss they must believe that they are inside night rider well that's the other one of the things it's like uh, increasingly because driverless tech it just isn't mm. there and again, there's loads of, like the labor we were describing that we don't even get paid for when we click the, this is a human, th this mm -hmm. image contains a human thing on uh, a website, as well as all that training labor that goes into it. There's work of like just remote control. So uh, that the user wouldn't even necessarily know where just like a remote person sat somewhere on mm -hmm. it with a broadband connection is controlling your car. Don't hit them. <laughs> yeah. Saving uh, lives on your behalf. And then you've basically kind of, just got a chauffeur, haven't you? You're back to having a chauffeur. You may as well the get a cab. automated just car. So many extra steps just to have a cab. Ah, but you're inserting, you've got to justify inserting the middleman. That's how rentier capitalism works. Yeah. A landlord works by going, you need something. I'm going to put myself, I'm going to insert myself between you and it. And that's how I'm going to make money. And that is what, that's what Uber is, isn't it? And that's where the illusion of automation like does its job. Yeah. Because 
because automation it sounds a dream that is victimless because you <laughs> yeah no one likes to think that everything that they consume yeah. requires on someone's backbreaking slog so if you get the same service but now it's got this led display and it goes hello yeah. i am a robot i'm happy to do this and i never get sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah people people want that horrific exploitation concealed from them right yeah but but the you know it's it's very effectively yeah. concealed well and that's already done geographically you know like you might go mm -hmm. to what you think is like a really oh this is like a really nice little coffee shop and then it, if you were to look at the supply chain of the beans or the silicon in the till uh, <laughs> yeah. they would all be some like child slave labor there probably so and then that's the thing the, the other aspect of this is obviously this like sort of internet exploitation but there's also all of the materials that are in all this technology is mined minerals, uh, mm. which often involves slave labor, child labor, child slave labor, or other kind of horrific uh, exploitation of adults. Although it's, I think it's le less hard to forget about, because if you've got like a thing you can see, you know, like a contraption, mm. oh, I know that this is made out of metal. And there's things in this that came from somewhere. This is a thing I can see it. Yeah. Whereas I think I think Twitter and Facebook and Google hide more. Well, information services. Yeah. Software you as could, well. You could imagine a computer just doing it, right? Because yeah, there are yeah, certain yeah. things a computer can just do. Yeah. Compute. There are some algorithms that are now. It's like you know, draw me a picture of an elephant. And it looks a bit mad. It looks a bit like you've had a bad dream. <laughs> you've been yeah. It looks like you've been looking at an ele elephant through a cinema screen all day, and now you're having a bad dream. But you can tell it's an elephant. It looks like you're looking at an elephant in the court of the King of Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> Why has it got human teeth? Why is it smiling at me? Why has it got a thought bubble? And in the thought bubble, it says, kill, kill me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am dead and want to die. <laughs> I want to die more. <laughs> it's a robot elephant that plays chess. There's a little guy inside it operating the trunk. Really badly. It sticks yeah. a tusk through the table if it starts to lose. <laughs> that's just built in. That's the failsafe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, 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 that is the elephant itself. The guy has no control. The little yeah. person inside has no control. I have blundered the queen. Deploy the tusk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full elephant sound effect. One of the reasons automation is so appealing is because we could make machines do the work we think is too dangerous, too boring, or just too undesirable for us. We can stop forcing people to do that work. Most people are at least vaguely aware that at the other end of almost every product or service we consume is horrific exploitation of human labour. Maybe even slavery. And the appeal of machines doing these jobs is that machines are like slaves without the guilt as long as you don't think about the slaves building the machines. Automation could be, should be, a liberatory force. Mechanisation should free humans from these jobs. It allows workers to move from jobs that can be automated to do other things with our time. For example, in the UK in 1800, 75% of us were farmers. Now it's 2%, not two blokes. I'm David, this is Bryn. The only people left who know how to grow wheat. You are one quad bike accident away from apocalypse. These are our demands. You might think, wow, it's great that people in the UK don't have to farm anymore. We're free to do more important work like being a bailiff for TV license or writing tweets for webuyanycar.com. 
Side note, the flip side of this is that it's not so much to do with automation as the fact that 80% of British food is imported. Another issue with automation is that it's not just work that's dubiously labelled low-skilled that's automated. Supposedly high-skilled jobs like working for a parasitic banking corporation are susceptible to the robots too. 20 years ago, Goldman Sachs' equity trading desk employed 600 workers, but by 2016, only two of them were left. The rest were replaced by an AI. And maybe that's a good thing. We can free people to do more interesting things with their time. Sadly though, under capitalism, an economy driven by profit, automation is a threat to workers rather than a means of liberation. If the Terminator waved a shotgun in your face and said, give me your claws, your boots and your deliverable bicycle, you'd probably say, all right, Arnie, take it, lad. You can't steal a job. It doesn't matter if you're a robot or an immigrant, you can't steal a job. It's not a Lucas aid or a great idea for a podcast. Under capitalism, bosses employ the cheapest thing. Not only do machines not get wages, they don't eat, they don't need maternity leave, they also don't have trade unions and can't go on strike. Capitalists will use machines to replace workers, then blame the workers' personal laziness for their lack of jobs. Meanwhile, shifting from profiting from our labour to profiting from the work of machines. The other side of automation, though, isn't the way machines replace us, but the way they are used to make us behave like machines, like an extension of the machine. To the dismay of commercial landlords and property speculators, the pandemic forced employers to let thousands of us work from home. And while employers might like shifting their heating and electricity costs onto their employees, they don't like the loss of control. That's why as people worked at home, we saw a boom in surveillance technology, infiltrating where we live rather than liberating workers. Tech was used to monitor what they were doing on company time. You had bosses monitoring keystrokes, mouse movement, what tabs you had open. While this was new for middle-class professionals, the use of surveillance tech to allocate, monitor and reward work while minimizing human contact isn't new to those who work for call centers or Uber or Amazon. Companies increasingly use automation not to free us from work, but to automate us, to make us part of the machine. This is just the latest wave of what Marx found so alienating about factory work in the 1800s, separating out tasks so that workers were de-skilled and had less connection to what they were creating. It's the modern incarnation of the factories of Henry Ford and Frederick Taylor. We tend to see the threat of automation as something that replaces the worker, but it's often the grimmest when it replaces or empowers the manager. Ford and Taylor couldn't dream of the extent of how management is now automated. In an Amazon warehouse, work is disciplined digitally. In a sick twist on video game mechanics, workers' productivity is measured and ranked against each other. Those who don't meet the expected level of productivity are sacked, the warning letter and dismissal letter auto-generated. And this isn't just in the warehouse, it's all the way to your door. The reason delivery drivers piss in bottles is because of these digital, gamified targets. Outside the anarchy of capitalism, automation could be a force for good. Instead of becoming part of the capitalist machine, we could reduce the hours we work and increase our time for invention, entertainment, friends, family, whatever we want. But what will make automation a liberatory force isn't the automation itself, but socialism under capitalism. All that is automated is, well, capitalism. Another aspect of this is uh, the games, the games industry, right? Um, uh -huh. There's loads of horrific stuff in the games industry and the horrific business practices like crunch, which is where the actual developers of the game for the months or years leading up to release date go through just masses and masses of overtime, burning everyone out to try to get stuff out. That is, there's, there's kind of a lot uh, written about that. But there's also the QA work, which is mm. like, have you ever done this or do you know anyone who's done this? 
I probably have known someone in QA, but I don't know the ins and outs of what oh, it involves. It's like, well, I've got a mate who did this. Mm -hmm. The way they sell it, and this is this is work that's generally done in like the Global North or whatever. Um, it's sold as like, are you a gamer? Do you like video mm. games? Then you can you can get paid to game. And obviously there's loads of things of like, as soon as you begin getting paid for something that was previously play, it's no longer play, regardless mm -hmm. of what you're doing in that context. You know, it's, it's something shifts about it, but you're not playing the game. You are walking for eight hours into the same door. Mm -hmm. like, you are jumping on a specific rock to see if it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I remember he was doing a racing game and he had to go around the same track again and again in every different car crashing into the right-hand side, right? That's like week one. Mm. Week two, crash into the left-hand side. Crash, 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 crash. And I remember saying to him, I was like, oh, because you're like playing these games all day, does that not... Like, because I know, you know, he likes playing computer games. I was like, mm. does that does that ruin computer games? And he's like, well, no, because I'm not playing a game. Yeah. Like, have you ever played a game and done that? It's like a different, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like a different thing. You're not like, oh, I'm really burned out on playing games um, because I've done it all day. You haven't done that all day, though, have you? You have just basically done a repetitive task. It is probably neurologically and almost physically the equivalent of just pressing a button on one part of a factory. Yeah machine and then the, so there's that which is completely fucked which is um more more done in the part of the world in it, where we live but then there's also that thing that was big in the 2000s but it operates slightly differently now um which also is linked to buying twitter followers and stuff which is like buying in-game gold for like mmos mm -hmm. so world of warcraft do you know this was like one of steve bannon's projects world of warcraft was one of steve bannon's projects. not world of warcraft itself gold mining having players having accounts that mine yeah. gold in world of warcraft and then sell it online their character is like a character something a, with yeah, a, pickaxe. A, a character right. is generating gold in the game and then they sell it on a marketplace to players that's so funny it's like the mirror image of like Yanis Varoufakis coming up with Team Fortress hats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. All the these evil figures have come up with microtransactions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say that the reason that this has vanished as it was in the mid-2000s is because it's become explicitly integrated into the official games themselves. Yeah. Mm. In World of Warcraft, which was obviously absolutely huge in the, in the 2000s, it was like the biggest MMO, Basically, people in China would be paid and you would have, you know, it wasn't work from home at this period. You would have basically factories, which were hundreds of computers. People sat at the computers on alternating 12-hour shifts and you would mine fictional gold in the game and then that would be sold to Westerners. I got addicted to reading weird accounts of people who made a job crunching late games on these big multiplayer games and then eventually getting money so they could hire teenagers in other <laughs> continents. Yeah to crunch things and like sell um, Star Wars high-grade lightsabers in different games and stuff. And it reminds me now of like these like like farms where like someone's got um, a unit yeah. and it's just got iPads that are open on various fake social media accounts and they're either giving watch time to stuff, yeah. so to inflate, or someone goes around and just hits like, you know. Sometimes that's actually done manually. A lot of it's automated, but I've seen ones where people just go, okay, we've got an order through for a thousand likes. Okay, <laughs> like, 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 because the APIs yeah, yeah. on a lot of these platforms are a lot better detecting bots. So you just hire someone's finger. Bang, 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 like, 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 like. Well, that, that, that's the interesting thing, because one of the reasons, so one, one reason that it got pulled, well, there's a few reasons. It got pulled um, in, a, in America, 
by a class action lawsuit against Bannon's company. <laughs> right. Uh, but then they just moved everything outside America, which yeah. is where the workers were anyway, right? Um, uh -huh. But then the other thing is, uh, and then this is where you get a really interesting type of worker in like digit in the digital space. Blizzard would employ people to hunt farmers. Hmm? So your job is you're in World of Warcraft and you have to go and see, oh, this person's just farming gold. So you're, okay, so I'm someone and I'm yeah. playing a game for fun and I see someone on a rocky outcrop while wandering around a fantasy world and they're mining and I think maybe they've been mining for eight hours. I'm going to watch them and see if they move and do something else. Because if they go and do something else, they're not a yeah, farmer. Yeah, yeah. They're just getting some rocks as part of a course of their game. So if you're a farmer and you want to be undetected, you've got to what? Every, if someone's looking at you, go and fight a dragon and then yeah, come back yeah, and yeah, start yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. It's really hard. So then so the in order to... here. Let's yeah, just go fight an orc. Exactly. So they created... So they created... <laughs> so they created... Well, also the farming would involve fighting. So it's, it's quite hard to detect because you might be farming something that a specific enemy drops. So you're fighting... And you are fighting enemies, right? But can yeah. you see it's really hard? They can't... Again, they can't just make a thing that is like an anti-farmer algorithm. You have to pay human beings to police it. It's just like, you know, we're talking about social media and, and video games separately but really what we're showing is there's a massive overlap between them and, mm. like, and is social media just one very specific form of video game um, you know should it be categorized in that way uh, who can say yeah so they're then they're then <laughs> basically hiring electric cops mm. right? well not even you know it's like a souped up CIA people yeah yeah and but it's it's not like a it's not like a cop. It's just you've empowered the um, neighborhood watch or something. You've empowered the nosy people on the forums. Oh well, no, you're not. You're not. Um, yeah, it says reporting, but the reporting was insufficient. So it's co it's more cops than neighborhood watch. Oh, sorry. It's it's not your. It's not you're putting bounties out for players. No, to get. no, you are hiring. You're, you're e -cops. hiring someone who's making yeah, an account yes. just. To, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. To clarify, that's why so I they have a new... no other purpose in no. the game. But they're undercover, right? Because yep. the farmers don't want to be able to see that there's cops nearby. Well, yeah, they don't give them like a cop skin. That would be foolish. Yeah. How um, do you do, fellow kids? Yeah, so I they're also more like love spies. hitting the brick with their mind. <laughs> they're spies. But then they've got to do performance of playing the game in order to not make the farmer. Do you see what I mean? It's like really, really complicated. That's grim. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other th grim thing um, I read about that is that because at a certain point, wages were increasing in urban China, right? So mm -hmm. people, these jobs were just were not paying well enough. So they started pulling in agricultural workers. So no joke, people were going from being farmers to farmers. Right. So they were going from being like agricultural laborers who worked on farms to farming fictional stuff on a computer to sell to Westerners who, not in just World of Warcraft, but that still exists in terms of like, you know, you could pay someone to go on your account and level up your character while you're mm. at work and then you come back and then it's levels higher and that's someone's job how fucked is I, that it's incredible when these online economies start like reflecting the genuine complexity <laughs> and real world problems like i think eve online had a credit crunch final fantasy 14 started having a housing shortage so people who were ahead started <laughs> buying up extra houses on different accounts <laughs> and selling them at an inflated cost oh, because hell. they knew the housing was finite on the yeah, servers yeah, yeah. speculating yeah. They were just speculating on, yeah, fake houses. Micro-targeting is a pretty straightforward political campaigning tactic. Not all of your voters are going to care about the same stuff. So you vary the message 
based on the demographics of the person you expect to speak to. If you're talking to someone in their 20s, you can say, I'm gonna help find you secure work in this area and get you on the housing ladder. Talking to someone who's in their 40s can just rattle off the name of a few 80s blockbusters like uh, Robocop and Blade Runner and Ghostbusters, and eventually they will say, yeah, dude. And if they're in their 60s, you can promise to bring back Borstals. The only limits to the power and effectiveness of a micro-targeting campaign is just how much data you got. And anything can be useful. You will find banana-level correlations if you've got enough info to crunch. If you got fond memories of street sharks, you're gonna vote Lib Dem. If you order snake bite in black at the pub, then you will vote for an independent candidate whose only platform is to reverse the smoking ban. By 2016, Cambridge Analytica had profiling data on 67 million people, most of it harvested from a single innocuous looking Facebook personality quiz. And that is the year when they are hired by Steve Bannon to help shape the digital marketing strategy of the Donald Trump campaign. Bannon's background is in investment banking and his money tentacles stretch in every which way direction. He owns part of Seinfeld. When Seinfeld goes on the TV, Steve Bannon gets a little bit of money. 10 years prior, he became CEO of a company called Internet Gaming Entertainment, taking over from the former child star of the film, The Mighty Ducks. This is a company which profits from farming and trading within video game economies. And Bannon industrializes the scale of operations, hiring a legion of low-paid Chinese workers in an endless grind for digital loot, smashing rocks and bashing end-level dragons. Hello, Sean Morley here, talking to you from a couple of days later when I was editing this section. The end of the last sentence was written in such a way to evoke some kind of imagery or imagining what it might be like to be in these digi farms sort of slaving away at world of warcraft end content all day and i was going to get some audio of what world of warcraft end content sounds like and sort of swell it in around here now i don't play world of warcraft and i'm guessing by the time you're a gajillion hours in they expect you to be able to pass like 70 plus sounds that are happening in tandem but to an untrained ear it sounds like white noise and it was incredible Incredibly unpleasant. Listen to this. It's not good. It's not good, is it? So I'm, I have included it, but I've nested it further in. You know, I've nested it within another explanation. Anyway, let's continue. This was Bannon's first exposure to gamers and their communities, what he later described as the monster power of rootless white males. And by 2016, with the help of his media organization Breitbart, the Gamergate movement has been successfully pivoted towards Trump and the broader nationalist concerns of the newly coalesced alt-right. And I don't want to like, overstate the efficacy of Cambridge Analytica. They obviously like didn't invent racism in a computer monitor Petri dish. And, you know, some would say that the jump between playing games like Call of Duty and becoming a white nationalist ain't really all that vast a jump. Maybe more of a bunny's hop. 
but they did manage to coagulate and steer a group of disparate apolitical groups into a powerful machine built of internet bastards that has still changed the landscape of being online. And it is all these strands together that make up twisted racking of modern digital labor. It's the flip side of the mass outsourcing of menial microtasks that these vast online platforms can operate at scale. It's that the people who are then lured into using these platforms, what they do there and what information they put there, that is the true commodity, which increasingly can be bought by predatory political actors. The final evolution of digital ghost work where the worker is not only invisible, but oblivious, unknowingly logging in for a shift at the opinion factory. When I use my index fingers to push my age, height, location, and complicated relationship status with Shrek into the coin slot of a website, I am imprinting myself onto a machine that is built to tell me how to think. The unrecognized labor of the Silicon Age, ain't just stagehands yanking unseen levers so the mighty Oz can offer a stranger Ray-Ban sunglasses. Your uncle putting his workplace into LinkedIn it is your cousin claiming that a feminist critique of Bubble Bobble is in violation of his human rights. It's your dad raging on the Facebook timeline, so furious at the elites, he's coming out to bat for a millionaire commodities trader, whipped up into a volunteer force of goons for the new dickheads regime. Even your own posts about how everything's fucked right now is locking you off into a different chamber of the internet's vast advertisement-clogged arteries. Process, which in turn is informed, mediated, troubleshot, and moderated every step of the way by a vast network of slave wage ghosts whose job is to pretend that they don't exist. You know people are selling runes, Elden Ring runes, on eBay. You know you can get, so in the game Elden Ring, which me and Sean play, you can get an item called like a hero's rune, which Sean found one, right, I remember, I remember we were on Discord, right, and Sean goes, wow, I've picked up a massive rune. Picked and up I, a hero's I, rune I, five I, in, the, rune in the capital city. Exactly, right, and then you add it, and it gave you 35,000 runes, which is loads. That's loads. That's loads. Right. Can, you can like at least level up, even quite high level, you can, you're going to get a level up out of that. But people are, there's no, one of the cool things about Elden Ring is it doesn't have any microtransactions bullshit, which is mm. like integrating into the game uh, <laughs> the, the stuff we were just talking about, about like farmers, where people, the company just goes, well, you can buy, if you want gold, you can buy it off us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or even more fucked, you, you can buy a loot crate that might contain gold or it could contain a stick. Uh, which the EU's done a number on them, yeah, right? They've, they they've regulated mixed. it. They've regulated yeah. it. But it went on for quite a lot of years, which we should not forget. Um, it's still similar, though. Like, what the, the fix for the loot crate, I believe, yeah. is rather than it being random, you just get a, like a blueprint, for example. So you yeah. haven't got the thing, you haven't got the item, but you've got the, the means to make it, and that might involve another microtransaction. Oh, my God. It's just reduced the randomness. Yeah, yeah. It's because that's it a was, bit that's gambling. 
that's the biggest gambling. <laughs> if, if you're just shown a ghost of something yeah. and go, look, you've nearly got this because yeah. you've got the ghost. You just need to pay for this crucifix that yeah. brings it back to life, and then it's your friend. More simply and directly <laughs> exploited, then that's all right. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's just gambling. Gambling bad. Yeah, people, Elden Ring doesn't have these microtransactions. It's very stripped back, and I think that's why people are reacting to it very positively. Uh, mm. But the people then just started selling items, weapons and armor as well. Anything with sufficient popularity gains this kind of, um, it's almost like, you know, if you go to a big enough music gig, mm. there'll be like a scalper. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Selling tickets somewhere, going. I've I've found a way of turning this big thing into a way of making a bit of side profit. I know, you know. One thing I've heard is that if you have a really coveted username in certain games, mm. you can either sell it, or I've heard from someone who's got like like a really simple username in Minecraft, mm. like it's like Wolf or Moon or something, yeah. just something like that. You can't move for people going, I want to buy that off you, or trying to hack your account. Constantly getting hack attempts because that is so valuable. You're basically not safe. Wow. Yeah. Another argument for going for stupidest name possible. It's the argument for sticking all those like numbers on the end of your name, because that is safety, that's security. <laughs> no one wants this. I've sullied myself and I am safe. It's the argument for not going out in your best clothes, you know, just in case. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the scalper comparison's really good because there's, you know, when you think scalper and you think like the person outside the gig going like, do you want to buy this? And it's just like twice the price. Mm. right um and they're buying them from off people as well but then there's basically just scalping websites now that you know like it instantly gets big doesn't it it's not yeah. just a guy it's like events go on sale now and ticket companies still don't do enough to stop people just buying a shitload of tickets i guess glastonbury yeah. do but not many of the others and then they just sell them on so instantly you know like the day something goes on it'll sell out and then something it'll be twice the price on ebay uh, yeah, straight away. Like instantly. I mean, it's the exact same stuff happened with, you know, to talk about tech again with like the, the consoles like PlayStation 5 and Xbox. Instantly it's like bang. Um, yeah. And then part of that is because of what's happened to the economy. There's loads of people, you know, everyone hates scalpers, but like they're symptoms of the disease of capitalism, right? They're just like, I mean, you know, they are, they're exploitative individuals, but they're exploitative in the same way that landlords are. It's like they're, they're able to do so because the system is like, is, is how it is certain incentives and disincentives has led them to behave in that way. The, you can't create all the income scarcity. And then there's this massive hustle culture. It's like, hustle, hustle, do whatever you yeah. need to. Don't do that one thing that you could do and all the instructions are like basically <laughs> written out for you and you can do it. No yeah. one's going to stop you and there's no regulation. But don't. It's like, um, do you know, there are so many like, there are, there are so many TikToks that's yeah. just about like reselling stuff buying stuff and reselling on Amazon, just moving, especially physical products, Yeah, moving things online and selling it for slightly more and just wandering around shops and being like, you know, wandering around Toys R Us and stuff like that and going, look, this um, Easy Bake Oven, I could make like $3 a unit more yeah, so if I buy 400 online. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'm like, yeah. going over with all these children's <laughs> ovens. Yeah, putting it for list <laughs> like, on Amazon. Yeah, this is my grind set. My house is filled with toys I can't get rid of. And on that metric, farming Elden Ring items is a better use of your time because you don't have to it's purely electronic so you don't need a room in your house to store them in do you know what I mean I almost start seeing seeming more sane <laughs> to stockpile weird virtual currencies because at least it's contained yeah yeah so inside like, the computer yeah actually having you know a plus 10 night's glaive 
is a perfectly fine thing to list on your investment portfolio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My investment portfolio should look like, you know, a big coat of arms <laughs> full of eldritch weapons. <laughs> this is me. This is me. Yeah. I'm going to make it to the top, to the moon. <laughs> You've got your, on your tax return, you have to declare the Elden Ring. Yeah, I, I, I put down my accountant and then I put down my covenant. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music from Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. If you would like to experience Mandos in the real, non-digital world, we are doing our new live show entitled Hostile Takeover in Manchester on Wednesday the 20th of April, Sheffield on Thursday the 21st of April, and London on Saturday the 28th of May. Check the episode description for details. Thank you so much for listening and thanks so much to those of you who support us by sharing this episode on social media as well as those of you who support our work at patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party where we have additional content. Thanks again and farewell. Farewell.